This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. Format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Carvertize. So let's say you're the DMO in Des Moines. Football season is around the corner. Why not send a fleet of wrapped Uber and Lyft cars to the markets you covet, like fans of Iowa and Iowa State football? Tens of thousands of potential visitors are all in one place at Kinnick and Trice, and you can touch them with your message circling the stadium. Carvertize has helped hundreds of national brands and DMOs extend their messaging to where people live through a fleet of over a half a million wrapped Uber and Lyft cars. So NFL game day, fairs, festivals, farmers markets, anywhere where people congregate, you can touch them with your destination's magnetism with Carvertize. Learn how your destination can dominate the streets at Carvertize.com. And now it's on to our show. Greg Edwards has more than 40 years of hospitality experience. He began his role as president and CEO of Catch Des Moines in 2000, previously leading convention and visitor bureaus in Illinois and Kansas. He is the recipient of many awards, including being named one of the most influential leaders in Greater Des Moines by the Des Moines Business Record, Manager of the Year with Marriott Hotels, and recognized by his industry peers with the Individual Professionalism Award. Greg has championed many accomplishments while in Des Moines, including reorganizing the Des Moines Area Sports and Tourism Commission, which is now part of Catch Des Moines. He and his team have tripled convention and event bookings during his tenure and have hosted some of the nation's most prestigious events, contributing to the quality of life and growth in the region. Those events include the NCAA Division I Men's Basketball First and Second Round Championships, the LPGA Solheim Cup, the Dew Tour, and Ironman North American Championship, just to name a few. Greg also gives back his time and talents by serving on numerous boards, including the Icon Water Trails, the Greater Des Moines Partnership, and the Iowa Travel Industry Partners, among many others. And in 2012, Greg served as the chairman of the board of directors for Destinations International. Greg Edwards, welcome to DMOU. Well, thank you, Bill. And uh, let me just give you a little bit of a plug, too. You're always plugging all of us out there, but... (laughs) You know, you and I go way back. We're we do first meeting in back in the 1990s. Um, I was in Peoria. I remember that we were just kind of getting zeitgeist off the ground. Yep. But uh, you've been a wonderful, wonderful friend of mine, and so many through this industry. And you've done so much for all of us with doing little things like these podcasts and all the different things you do. I mean, you've done uh, strategic planning sessions for me in Peoria and Des Moines and uh, our Iowa Council of CVBs, the Illinois Council of CVBs, all those great organizations. So just a tremendous supporter and a great friend of the industry. So thank you. Well, that's very kind. Thank you so much. But the focus today, my man, is on you and what you've done in Des Moines. You know, back in the late 90s, my hometown of Madison started popping up on top 10 lists. It started in 1996 with Money Magazine saying we were the best place to live, and it just exploded from there. We're still making our fair share of top 10 lists, but more often than not, it's Des Moines that gets called on those lists from Richard Florida to U.S. News and World Report. I mean, Des Moines is ascendant, and I think it it takes a lot of people by surprise. So outside of the fact that you took over control of Des Moines messaging in 2000, so I mean, you can take all the credit in the world for that, (laughs) but what's behind this amazing brand recognition that you've enjoyed for the past 20 years? 
Well, I think, you know, as you well know, Bill, it takes such a team to build a community, build a brand, you know, build your um, all of your great attractions and things that you have to sell to increase visitors. And it really goes back to 2000. As you know, I was in Peoria at the time and, and really loving Peoria. That was my hometown. Um, really had no intent to move on at that time. And got a call from a headhunter and said, hey, how would you like to come back to Des Moines? Of course, they knew that I was in Des Moines in the 80s when I worked for Marriott Hotels and still had connections with the uh, DMO here and, and a lot of people here in Des Moines. So I, I took a stab at it and, and uh, then, of course, was offered the job and uh, moved to Des Moines. And, uh, and, you know, when I first got here, and Des Moines was a step up from Peoria. It wasn't a huge step up, but it was a step up. It was a larger community. Um, I saw some good opportunity here and all of those great kinds of things. But so I get here and uh, rough, rough winter that winter. Of course, my family hadn't moved here yet. And, uh, you know, it was, it was 20 below zero about every other day and ice storms and snowstorms. Not that Peoria was sunny in 80 by any means, but <laughs> tough, tough winter. <laughs> you know, and I, I just really kind of had second doubts. I thought, gosh, have I made the right move here? And, um, you know, the downtown was kind of sleepy. Had a lot of people that worked downtown. I think back in those days, you had about 50,000, 60,000 people that worked downtown between eight and five, but like a lot of Midwestern cities during that time period, the, the sidewalks rolled up at five o'clock and everybody went out to the yep. burbs. Right. You know, then about maybe two or three months later, things started clicking. You know, the, the county here, which Polk County uh, is a very powerful county in the state of Iowa. Polk County, just a quick history on them. They years ago shut down um, horse racing track called Prairie Meadows. Actually, the private owners shut it down and Polk County went back in and bought it and they were able to put a casino into it. Well, the casino since that time has, has put a lot of money into the coffers and a lot of grant situations throughout the community and all that. But long story short, Polk County called and said, hey, we want to have you come over for a meeting. We're talking about maybe building a, a new arena and maybe a convention center and I said, boy, we're all over that. And we'd done some studies previous to that showing that we did need to do some improvements to our arena and things like that. So attended a meeting with a bunch of civic leaders and elected officials and what have you. And the, the ball kind of started rolling in 2000. By 2002 or 2003, the hole was in the ground to build our new Wells Fargo Arena, which is a 16,000 seat arena connected to a new convention center space with over 200,000 square feet of exhibit space on and on and on. So that was kind of phase one. Well, that was all predicated on a move to uh, relocate a, the library, the downtown library to build a new library, to bring in a new science center of Iowa to move that downtown. So all of these major things started happening. At the time there was some great state funding mechanisms in place. And uh, one of the leaders of those fundings put together the plan of, hey, let's not just look at the arena, but let's look at this whole downtown area as a whole and to revitalize and regenerate the downtown. And things just started really clicking. You know, and at that time too, a lot of new leadership was coming on board with a lot of our top corporations. 
I don't think a lot of people realize that what a um, insurance and financial mecca Des Moines is with 63 insurance companies headquartered here. Um, on the financial side, you've got Principal Financial headquartered here, Wells Fargo Mortgage, their world headquarters is located here. Wells Fargo is our largest employer. They employ over 13,000 people in the metro. Wow. Principals at about 7,000. And of course, we're home to Nationwide, or I guess second home to Nationwide after Columbus, EMC Insurance, um, the lists go on and on and on. So really good, good, solid corporate foundation in Des Moines. Um, and ironically, uh, a lot of times during uh, recessions and uh, farm crisis and different things like that, even after 9-11, um, we saw a big lag in the in the travel industry, but nothing in comparison to a lot of the other great cities across the country. But long story longer anyway. So Des Moines began revitalizing then in the early 2000s and you know, things just began to take off. And not only just the city of Des Moines, but our suburban areas began to explode. And um, West Des Moines, which is one of the largest suburbs of the metro, then had a vision to build a huge new shopping uh, recreation complex out in, in West Des Moines. And they built the Jordan Creek Town Center, huge shopping mall, um, now surrounded by about every kind of restaurant you can imagine from Fleming Steakhouse to P.F. Chang's, on and on and on. Just a great, great, uh, another anchor of, of visitor attraction stuff um, out in West Des Moines. Um, you looked elsewhere on the, the other side of our metro area, which you have Altoona, Iowa, mm -hmm. which is the home of Prairie Meadows, which is now a full uh, casino connected by a hotel, still runs a horse track in the summertime. Back in the 70s, they built an amusement park out there called Adventureland. And um, Adventureland is, draws over a half a million people every year, not just from the metro, but really throughout the state and connecting states. Several years uh, ago, they built a, a Bass Pro Shop. They now host an outlet mall out there. So, you know, I mean, just everywhere you go in the metro, there are visitor attractions, things to do, places to see all that great kind of stuff. So that really kind of started putting us on the map. And that gave, of course, us an opportunity at Catch Des Moines to start looking at, okay, now we're becoming a big city. But everything just began to fall in place. You know, downtown became a very solid place, not only to work, but like a lot of cities have seen through the last couple of decades, they started seeing a lot of downtown growth and residencies. Right. And uh, young people were moving back to Des Moines. I remember in early 2000, our governor at the time had a big push to uh, try to keep the kids from Des Moines who are attending the University of Iowa and Iowa State and University of Northern Iowa and Drake University and all our big schools from moving. Once they graduated, they were moving to Chicago or Denver or Minneapolis or Kansas City. Let's keep them in Iowa. Well, all of a sudden, with all this new stuff coming about, mm -hmm. they found yeah, Des Moines is kind of a cool city to live in <laughs> right. and started really coming back, which really helped our image tremendously, too. Yeah. Of course, um, you know, with building Wells Fargo Arena then gave us opportunities to bring in big name concerts. Um, it brought us a new uh, 
AHL hockey team, which is the Minnesota Wild, brought us in an NBA developmental league, the Minnesota Wolves. Uh, we, of course, have always been home to the AAA Chicago Cubs, um, which is always one of the top AAA ballparks in the country for attendance and things like that, and really started turning around and making Des Moines a, a really kind of a sports town, too, which adds to obviously being a cool place. I'll also give quick credit, too, to the Greater Des Moines Partnership, which essentially is our Chamber Economic Development Workforce Retainment Organization, big organization supported by most all the uh, corporations around Des Moines. And they did a great job, too. And we work hand in hand with them in uh, not only luring new talent to Des Moines, but also new companies and things like that. So things just began to turn. Des Moines all of a sudden became a cool place to live, a great place to live in America. And you're right, Bill, and thank you for the intro. You know, we did start competing with the Madisons and the Raleigh's and the Indianapolis's of the world and, and all the other great places to live. And I uh, have always been, probably for the last 10, 15 years, been in the top 10 to 15 list on almost all those lists across yeah. the country. So what it sounds like to me, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on what role the Vision Iowa funding package did for Des Moines, as it did for many communities in Iowa. And for those who are not familiar with with Vision Iowa, it, it probably was the most innovative, shot in the arm, economic development, destination development grant program I've ever seen. And most of it is because they weren't doling out 10,000 here, 50,000 there. The projects had to be game-changing, multi-million dollar projects. So you had Vision Iowa. Then it sounds like you just had a succession of leadership, you, the partnership government at the time, that just said, damn it, let's do this and let's move forward. Let's quit being a small town. Tell me how that all kind of came together. You're right. Yeah. You know, well, it was the, uh, the really the vision of our governor back in the time, uh, back in the early 2000s that created this Vision Iowa plan. And and it helped Des Moines tremendously, but it helped the whole state. I mean, there were a lot of great new things that got built and, and got some funding to at least spark that. It was all private-public partnerships. We were blessed in Des Moines that the leader of Vision Iowa at the time that we were building all of our stuff was led by a gentleman by the name of Michael Gartner. Uh, Michael is a former was the former president of NBC News. He owned several newspapers in Iowa. He always had Iowa roots. He was from Iowa originally, but so connected across the country and, and really a really strong corporate minded person who, who really kind of helped Des Moines put the plan together too. But Vision Iowa, he did really help spark a lot, of, a lot of growth. It helped, as I mentioned earlier, building our new convention center and arena, uh, the science center location, the library, all these different entities out there, and really turned Des Moines into a viable place for conventions and sports and yeah. on and on and on. To your convention center, because you had a convention center back in, what, the 80s and, and 90s, but nothing like the one that you've built today, correct? We did, yes. We had, uh, in fact, our, our original convention center. Well, let me back up. Back in 1954, Veterans Memorial Auditorium opened. Okay. And that was essentially our arena. 
And um, it sat, uh, I think, roughly nine, 10,000 people. You may recall a guy by the name of Elvis Presley. He performed there back in the 50s. Um, Ozzy Osbourne, here's a little fun fact. This is where Ozzy Osbourne bid off the bat's head. He's in Des Moines. Veterans Auditorium, <laughs> Des Moines, Iowa. You got it. You heard it right here. Anyway, so, so yeah, we had Vets Auditorium. And then in 1985, we opened a new convention center right in the heart of downtown, about a block and a half away from the largest downtown hotel, which is the Marriott, which is a 418-room hotel. Um, another block away was the Renaissance Savory Hotel. So good location, but it was a smaller convention center. It really served its purpose at the time and served its purpose for many years but we were ready for that next step up, you know, and that's exactly what the leaders saw and with our vision and some of our studies that we did um, also proved to do that as well. Yeah, it's funny. I, I remember as we are now in the 25th anniversary of opening the Madison Convention Center designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, uh, I was thinking back to the campaign because it had to go to referendum here. And I remember that there was one newspaper that was very, very critical of the concept and they were looking for other convention center managers to say, oh, it's a really bad idea. You shouldn't build one. You shouldn't. And they found that with the director of the Des Moines Convention Center back in like 1991 or 92. And we knew for a fact that you guys were doing pretty well with that convention center. And it was booked almost all the time. And I remember calling the director going, hey, why did you just lie to them and say that the convention business is over and the industry is done? She goes, I don't want you building a convention center. <laughs> it's like, thank like, thanks a lot. Exactly. So tell me how much growing your destination footprint and thus the budget and the success of the destination to draw media attention and visitation, how much, I mean, because you were essentially Des Moines. And now, as you said in your opening statement, you said, you know, now you've got, you know, West Des Moines, you've got Altoona, you've got, what, Urbandale. How has growing, because that, that always brings about, in most cases, you know, that subterfuge between, not, you know, the, the suburbs not getting as much attention and there's always that kind of, you know, pull and push. But you've really successfully grown exponentially the area that you represent. Tell us about that. You know, when I got here, we represented eight communities and now we represent 15 communities around the metro. Budget wise, we've grown from about a two million dollar budget to a six and a half million dollar budget. Wow. And um, okay. it, it goes back to, um, actually, they, they passed a referendum back in the mid-80s to raise hotel tax by two percentage points if, in fact, that two percentage would go back to the CVB. So um, that was laid out, and, and the uh, intergovernmental agreements were all written up and made with these initial first eight communities. So we have a 7% hotel tax. We get two-sevenths of that, so about 28%. Um, but you're right. I mean, that's grown our, our budget tremendously. When I got here in 2000, um, I started working on a couple of other larger suburban areas, Altoona that I mentioned, Ankeny. Um, we got them to join in, and, and we eventually, uh, in fact, to this day, we're still with the growth of our metro and still sprawling even further out, um, we're talking to now new communities that are blossoming and growing and building hotels and things like that. So, you know, we anticipate in the next year, we'll probably add at least another two more cities to our uh, 
our service area. That's been helpful. And so what's the challenge to that? There, there's a lot of challenges to that. Yeah. And, you know, you, you mentioned that early on that dealing with the suburb communities so many times, and, and we hear it, they'll say, well, all you care about is downtown Des Moines. Right. Well, number one, downtown Des Moines is where our major convention facilities are. Um, the state fairgrounds, which we utilize all the time, too, for conventions, trade shows, big agriculture shows, that's also in Des Moines. But we've always done a good job of communicating, and we can, with all the tools we have now with Arrivalus and star data and things like that, we can always go back to them and say, hey, even though we hosted the XYZ convention downtown Des Moines last week, here were your occupancy numbers. Here's the data for your community. You still ran um, high 80s, 90% occupancy. You know, here's where your visitors came from, blah, blah, blah. And we can also show them that a lot of times too, as times have changed and people's travel um, habits have changed, you know, we see now that even a lot of our tournaments, our high school basketball championships and wrestling and all the things we do downtown, a lot of these people are standing out in the burbs anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Just shopping and and things like that. So we, thankfully, our industry has has grown so much in the data industry so that we can share these kinds of numbers with them. Yeah. And so for your last question, I want to switch a little bit away from destination development to the things you do in marketing. Your video and creative is top shelf. It also, I think, shares your laughter and your eye for comedy and for always making people laugh. As you said in our compilation episode from Destinations International Toronto, you've landed a creative director that has Meredith Publishing cred. And during COVID, your videos designed to keep meeting professionals engaged were just hilarious. So tell me how Catch Des Moines has gone from a sales operation to now also a content provider. Yeah, great question. And, you know, I I credit really our entire team, both marketing and our sales team. Everybody's pretty creative around here. And and, uh, thanks for uh, picking up on my comic relief uh, personality. But... uh, (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, we've got a great marketing team and I'll tell you a lot of it, our our vice president of marketing and then our director of our kind of our almost assistant director of marketing, I guess you could say, came out of an agency too. And uh, both these guys, younger guys came in and they said, hey, videos where it's at, we got to start doing more videos. And then COVID hit. We really took a hard look at what are we going to do during COVID? We got to stay in front of the client. We got to stay in front of the customer. We got to stay in front of that leisure traveler. So we started creating all these different videos. And if you go to our website, which of course is catchdemoine.com, um, you'll see 20 some videos on there. Everything from showing off our amusement park to our ballpark to our shopping centers, all the great things there are to do here, our attractions, our art and culture. And we hired some local talent to be in these uh, in these videos. We hired professional videographers and what have you to film it. They've really been a huge hit. And we saw the results of that when COVID, when we finally came off of COVID, like a lot of cities saw, 
our weekend occupancies were way higher than our weekday from leisure travelers. Another good indication that that kind of marketing helped. And not only did we just put the videos on, on our website and things like that, but we've got a great social media person that got him out in the social media aspect. Yeah. You know, you mentioned our, our Meredith lady that we hired with her talent. We just really were blessed with a very talented marketing team from kind of all walks of life too. They, none of them were CVB people previous, but um, we got them in here. We got them indoctrinated into our culture, um, what our mission is. And, and they've just really hit the ground running. Yeah. And for those who are listening who don't know you, which I think is probably a stretch because I think everybody knows you. <laughs> One of my most favorite Greg comedy bits was when you were pitching Upper Midwest CVB conference to come to Des Moines. And it was when Letterman was big. So you did your top 10 list <laughs> for why we should come to Des Moines. You remember this? Yes, I do. And so you go through all... Yeah, all, all the stuff that you would expect in the top 10 list. I mean, you know, great attractions, stellar service, this and that. And reason number 10, I know where you live. And if you don't come, I'm going to come and kick your ass. <laughs> the whole place just lost their mind. <laughs> well, I guess that, that helped close the deal, didn't it? <laughs> it did. And, spe and speaking of closing the deal, here's your bonus round question. We all have our favorite moments from our time in this crazy industry. Tell us one of your favorite stories about an event or a convention that you booked. Yeah, you know, this is a story I tell a lot to, you know, all of us in this business, we speak to uh, a lot of civic organizations and, and what have you throughout our communities. And I usually tell this story. It's a, It goes back to about 1985, and I was a sales manager at the Marriott uh, in Des Moines. And uh, the Des Moines CVB, my, one of my favorite reps there, called me and said, Edwards, I got the perfect group for you to go after. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, yeah, what's that? The Little People of America. And I go, the Little <laughs> no. People of America? Yeah, yeah, it's a great group. This lady just contacted me. She's a local contact. Here's her number. So I call this young lady. Uh, her name was Denise. And uh, she actually worked at Principal Financial across the street from the Marriott. And she said, yeah, I'd like to bring in the little people of America. I said, well, tell me more about it. She said, well, you, you can't be any taller than 4'11". And uh, we're just all little people. There'll be 800 to 1,000 people and blah, blah, blah. And I said, why don't you come over and we'll have lunch? So she came over a few days later. As I met her, she's in a wheelchair. And uh, if she could have stood, she probably would have been about three and a half feet tall. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Of course, you all know that people that know me, I'm vertically challenged at five, six. So uh, I welcome this. But anyway, we sat down, we put our plan together. Um, they had a strong chapter in, throughout the state of Iowa. They call, they were called the uh, tall corn chapter in Iowa. Okay. Little people of America. Um, Billy Barty, if you remember that name from old oh, yeah. Hollywood films, yeah. he was one of the, the creators of little people of America. So we put our plan together the next year, we go to uh, Dearborn, Michigan to make our pitch. We were bidding on 1988. <laughs> the theme was the tall corn state in 1988. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I go. Um, so Denise and the, the Iowa contingency, they go out for the entire convention. Well, I go in about halfway through 
um, to do our pitch, I think on a Sunday. So I fly in on Saturday and, and she tells me, she says, hey, that's the night of our banquet and our dance and come down to the ballroom after you get checked into the hotel. So I show up, I get checked in, I walk down to the ballroom, I fling open the ballroom doors and there before my eyes are eight to 900 little people dancing, having a great time. And I'm standing there like Wilt Chamberlain thinking, wow, I have died and gone to heaven. So I go in, of course, the, the Iowa people come over and the girls grab my arms and we're out dancing. And, you know, I'm a foot, two feet taller. I mean, now I know how the rest of the world feels, you know, but uh, just a great experience. We ended up booking the business. I, in the meantime, I got transferred out of uh, the Des Moines Marriott down to the Overland Park Marriott. But I, I did come back for the convention that year anyway. Yeah, you have to, right. But you got wonderful people, wonderful experience, and just a lot of fun. That's so cool. Great story. Hey, Greg, it has been a blast hanging with you over the years. You're the life of every party and every reception. And at the same time, behind the scenes, you've been a driving force in establishing Des Moines as a must-experience destination. So thank you for all you do for our sector, for your community. Uh, and I can't wait for the next time we can hang at a reception somewhere in this crazy industry that we have called home. You got it, Bill. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers this is where the best and the brightest get together to tell inspiring stories for DMO pros. Thanks, too, to our sponsor, Carvertize. Make sure your destination's message is in front of your target audience wherever they congregate. Carvertize, the nation's leading Uber and Lyft advertising company, literally drives memorable advertising campaigns using a national footprint of over a half a million wrappable Uber and Lyft cars. Whether you're looking to reach snowbirds, outdoor enthusiasts, lifestyle experiences, or nearby families, you can count on Carvertize to deliver just like it's done for hundreds of national brands and destination marketing organizations. Learn how your destination can dominate the streets at Carvertize.com. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find more on our services to the DMO world, plus links to past editions of the Z News, the book Destination Leadership, the biggest DMO job board on the planet, as well as links to earlier episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.